This is the On The Touchline Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater. Welcome to the show. In Season 2, Episode 15, I talked to the Director of Goalkeepers at the Tennessee Soccer Club, Louis Libertor. And more on Coach Lou in just a sec. This past week, I added our 12th podcasting platform that the On the Touchline podcast is now available on. Just added iHeartRadio podcast. So if you use that platform, you can now find the show there. So major places like Google, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, mentioned iHeartRadio, and of course, Apple Podcast. And if you listen to the show on Apple Podcast, I need you to go there right now. So stop the podcast, go there right now, leave a five-star rating and a review about the show. So my goal is to let more and more people in the soccer community know about this show. The whole goal of the On the Touchline podcast is to make the soccer community just a little bit smaller for those out there and connect you to players, coaches, and influencers in the game. So by leaving a five-star rating and a review, that helps more and more people find out about the show. Also, word of mouth still matters, believe it or not, in 2019. Tell friends, tell coaches, tell players, whomever, is a professional development tool. We love soccer on this podcast. That is what we do at our core. So hopefully they take away some lessons from archived episodes and people that we've spoken to on this podcast. And of course, I love it when you reach out and you share the show on social media. And for those of you that regularly do that, my sincerest thanks for just making it enjoyable and making it uh, helping more and more people find out about the show. Please connect with me at SoccerCoachJB on Twitter and Instagram and would love if uh, you follow along and share the show out that way. Last but not least, before we get to Coach Lou. So something new that I started this past week that I've included a link in the show notes to this show. Click on the link. It'll take you to the website that has all the archived episodes of the podcast. There, you will find a form that you can fill out to subscribe to the newly created newsletter for the On the Touchline podcast. It'll come out on a monthly basis. It'll recap the guests for that month and probably have a few other items in there as well. All you need to do is put in your email address. That'll give me a notification and you'll start subscribing to the newsletter, like I said, on a monthly basis. Okay, now that the housekeeping is out of the way, let me tell Tell you a little bit about Coach Louis Libertor, or Coach Lou, as he is like to be known. He became the director of goalkeepers recently at the Tennessee Soccer Club and will begin his first season with them this upcoming fall. Prior to that, he worked with the Orlando Pride of the NWSL as the first team assistant goalkeeping coach in the early part of 2019. And also with Orlando City. On the youth soccer side is the director of goalkeeping from 2017 to 2019. He's coached collegiately at Binghamton University on the men's side as an assistant coach and also at Frostburg State as the men's and women's goalkeeper in the early part of this decade. He earned his U.S. Soccer Federation C license and has been named to the United Soccer Coaches 30 Under 30 as an award recipient. He also holds an advanced national goalkeeping diploma and an advanced national diploma from United Soccer Coaches. I hope you enjoyed this conversation. It's part of Goalkeeping Week with Louis Libertor of the Tennessee Soccer Club. Louis, I can't thank you enough, man, for uh, making some time and. Um, Thank you to our mutual friend, uh, Alberto Gonzalez, for connecting us and uh, coming on the latest episode of the, the On the Touchline podcast. And 
always start uh, most podcasts with the question of, uh, you know, the, the origin story of letting the audience know um, a little bit about your uh, footballing or soccer journey and how you got to where you are uh, presently. So you can start wherever you'd like and uh, yeah, uh, tell folks a little bit about uh, your background. Yeah. All right. Well, um, I, uh, I go by Lou, so that's probably the, I go by coach Lou or, or just Lou. Um, and soccer started in, in Raleigh, North Carolina, uh, playing for what is now, uh, NCFC. So castle, um, played for, uh, a number of different coaches, um, Stuart Brown, who I'm actually going to go work for in Tennessee. And then uh, Ben Pinkerton was a, a very influential goalkeeper coach in my, my career down there. Um, and then after that, uh, I, I played at Cardinal Gibbons High School in Raleigh, North Carolina, um, for another great coach there, uh, Tim Healy, who's still there. And then I went to Belmont Abbey College, which is a little D2 school in Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, played there for five fantastic years, and that's where I got my, my coaching start. Um, during the summers, I worked for Soccer Plus Goalkeeper School uh, for the late Tony DeChico. Uh, and Ben Pinkerton, who I mentioned earlier, he, he's the one who brought me into that mix. Um, and so then, you know, I, I wasn't going to pursue my fifth year of, of eligibility, and I got the coaching bug and uh, decided that I was going to finish my, my career playing and then dive headfirst into coaching. So I uh, actually did some volunteer work with the women's team during my, my final year during the season, which was an interesting, you know, go out, warm up the female goalkeepers and then go in the locker room and get ready for your matches. Not the ideal way to, to coach, but uh, it worked. So uh, and then after that, I uh, went to Frostburg State University in Western Maryland, uh, which is a little D3 school. Uh, and that's where I did my, my master's degree and was the goalkeeper coach for the men's and women's teams there. Um, and did that for two years and then uh, made the jump to Division One with uh, Binghamton University uh, in Binghamton, New York. Uh, I was there for... For three years, went from part-time, but as many know, there's no such thing as part-time in college, <laughs> uh, to the, the first assistant, recruiting coordinator, getting to travel the world and, you know, uh, coach. And then uh, in 2016, I left there to, to get married to my, my awesome wife and uh, start our family in Cincinnati. So there I worked at Northern Kentucky for a very short time and with Cincinnati United Premier. Uh, for a very short time, and then uh, a, a good friend, Chris Barocas, gave me a call for like the, the fifth or sixth time, and then I ended up in uh, Orlando City with, with the youth club, so everything but the DA there. Um, and then up until recently, I was with them uh, and volunteering, helping out Lloyd Yaxley with, with the Orlando Pride goalkeepers. So, uh, and and then, uh, June 3rd will be my official start date at Tennessee Soccer Club as their director of goalkeepers with uh, Eric Vauder. So that's the, the fast, brief, long version. So. Congrats on the, uh, the new gig. Um, that's absolutely fantastic. And um, so I'm curious, uh, what led you into coaching? Uh, you mentioned, uh, you know, in college and uh, sort of figuring it out. And, um, you know, I, I think for all of us coaches, we our, our entry points are different. And I'm always fascinated as to sort of the why uh, behind, you know, the, the reason you became a coach. Yeah. Um, you know, I I think that. Well, firstly, thank you for the kind words about the job. Um, and then the, the I don't think there's one point or one person necessarily that is why I got into coaching. I think I was like many, many, uh, American kids in the, in the nineties playing multiple different sports, not just soccer. Um, and unfortunately I had some very negative experiences outside of the beautiful game, uh, in terms of coaches and politics and different things and, uh, within, within different sports and, soccer was always the place where I was given that fair shot 
So, um, you know, and even that's from uh, my, my first my first uh, foray into true travel soccer, where I was watching my brother, who was younger than me, playing travel soccer, and I was my dad was shooting on me, who never kicked a soccer ball in his life, and until we started playing, and uh, uh, a coach walked by and said, "Oh, you're a goalkeeper." Uh, the, the the black team needs a goalkeeper. So the next weekend I was playing in the, the castle shootout as a guest player for uh, the 88 castle black, which was the third team back then. Um, and that was how I got into it. And I just got fortunate to have these different coaches who saw something. Um, I'm not the tallest goalkeeper. I'm five, nine. I mean, but someone always gave me a shot uh, in the sport and, when I was at my lowest and going to quit the game altogether, I went and started working these camps and got to help a, a group of kids in the sport that I I liked to play. So, and I that was kind of the the moment. I think those two moments there was when I was given a shot, and then I was given a shot to to refine the love of the game again. So, mm-hmm. um, those would probably be the moments I think. So, you mentioned uh, someone who I've just had incredible admiration for, and, uh, you know, sadly he's no longer with us in, uh, in Tony DeChico. And I, I guess I'm curious as to what that experience was like, uh, working his camps and, um, getting to know him a little bit as a, as a fellow coach. Yeah. Uh, well, you know, first of all, it was, it was, it was pretty cool. Um, I know that's kind of lame to say, but it was just pretty cool. Uh, the first summer he wasn't around, uh, he was, he was that was the summer he won the U twenty World Cup. So back in two thousand ten, I believe it was. He wasn't really involved in the camps, or maybe that was when he was with the Breakers. But then the following year, he got back involved. So I, I like any person, uh, was was starstruck. To be completely honest with you, you know, he walked by, and my my wife will tell you she was dropping me off at camp. She was my girlfriend at the time, and I like my heart was jumping out of my chest because, you know. Um, but then the next morning I had breakfast with him uh, and he didn't treat you like you were second class citizen. It was just you're another one of the people involved in, in, in the game. Um, and it was, it was great over three, four years to, to have breakfast with him at camp or be able to have a phone call with him. And if he answered, he had time. And that was, that's kind of probably the biggest lesson I've, I've learned from Tony was if you're going to answer the phone or if you're going to sit down, be with that person or that group of people. Um, because that, that's what coaching is, is being there for those people. And that's not just necessarily players, but also, uh, other coaches. Um, he always made time. If you, if he wanted to, or wanted to help, he, he could make time for you. Um, and, it was a two-way street, you know, he, he wouldn't just, you couldn't just call him and ask, but if he called you, you had to be ready to help him if he was going to help you. Um, but he, it just, he loved every player, regardless of whether they were the next Hope Solo or if they were just going to be a high school JV player. Um, he knew their name. He could tell you players from 10 years ago, uh, up until he passed. So, um, and I, my best friends are from Soccer Plus, are from the people I worked with at Soccer Plus. My best man at my wedding met him at my second week ever at Soccer Plus. Um, you know, I have a, my core group of friends who I don't see all the time, but those are people that I spent weeks in dorm rooms, traveling the country, coaching. Uh, they're not all still involved in the game, but, you know, I mean, I, A.D. Frank, I, I met her, and we used to train together when we were both in college, and now she's going to go represent us at the World Cup. So, mm-hmm. I mean, there's all these different people that you meet, and no one was ever bigger than the group, and that was a genuine thing, and I try to live that way. It, it can be tough, but it, it's a great lesson. Well, I was going to say that uh, I think sometimes when um – you know, all of us have a chance to meet our heroes in the game or people that we admire in the game that, um, you know, sometimes I, I think for myself that I've built up sort of this idea 
of what that person might be like. And there have been times where they definitely met that sort of, uh, I guess you would call it that expectation or sort of that construct I've made of that person in my mind. And there's been other times where you met somebody and you go, Ooh, they're not quite how I envisioned them uh, to be, you know, in good and bad and uh, more often good uh, than bad in this game. And, um, you know, just uh, the impact that Tony had on our game, and especially for goalkeepers. And I, and I mentioned this to uh, Sky Eddie Bruce um, because she had worked with him too. And uh, back in season one of the podcast and that, um, you know, it, it always, it's, it's a weird moment going through some of the um, United soccer coaches, goalkeeping, uh, diploma courses and still seeing him being used. And, uh, you know, I did one not too long ago and he was very prominent in the video series. And, um, you know, uh, that's a, it's just an interesting moment because he's had a, a massive impact on this game for us, um, you know, here in the States. So uh, I, I think that's fantastic that you had a chance to get to know him a little bit and, and work alongside him. So pretty cool. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was, it was, it was a, it's had a huge impact on my my trajectory as of late if i'm being honest you know the reason the, the switch from the college game partly was a family decision but the other reason was you have more impact i think on the long-term development of players as people as well in in the youth side in the developmental side um and i i attribute that to to tony and and to to ben who also passed away as well so um you know two two people linked in the same circles uh had a lot to do with my passion in the game is probably the best way to say it so yeah, yeah. so um i think uh goalkeeping coaching is probably um i don't know if underappreciated is the word because i think everyone you know head coaches or field coaches certainly can understand the value it brings, but it's often misunderstood would be maybe how the way I would describe it. And uh, what are you like as a goalkeeping coach? Yeah, 100% goalkeepers and goalkeeper coaches. It's a sport within a sport is probably the best way to describe it. Um, Especially now with, with what we're asking goalkeepers to do, we're asking them to be truly a soccer player first and then also ask them to, to keep the ball out of the goal. Um, so at, for me as a goalkeeper coach, I, I try to create an environment that is both challenging and rewarding uh, and mimics the game. Um, you know, uh, but as a coach, I, I look at the goalkeeper as a, as a person first. So how can I get to know you, Jason, as a, as a person slash player? And now when I coach you within the session, it, yes, you know, we have 12 goalkeepers at the session, but how can I make sure the session gets across to you? And then to maybe, uh, Michael, who, who's the, the second goalkeeper of the same age in the session. So, it, it, for me, it's about that relationship. How quickly can you and I develop a relationship or, or at least me get to know you and what makes you tick? Um, so that's, that's how I am in a session. Um, so if you walked by my session at the beginning, I may be loud and trying to explain the activity in there, and, but I want to get it going. And then you may like the quiet whisper in the ear and then uh, Michael would like me to you know, yell at the top of my lungs and I will do that, um, within reason. Um, so I, I think that's, that's probably the best way to describe me as a, as a coach in the session. It's all about the relationship I have with each individual goalkeeper. And, and I take pride in how quickly I feel that I have the ability to develop that understanding. Um, and I think I attribute that again to working soccer plus because you, you don't have, you have a finite amount of time with these players at a camp setting so how quickly can you get to know them so um so the the question has come up and um you know i I work at the academy level and at the youth level and um you know uh, you've been a part of that at at different times in your career and that uh you know we've had this debate at times with uh, fellow coaches and i about wondering when is too early to start goalkeeping training 
Um, and what does that look like for a young player? And sort of, I guess, take me through sort of like a progression that if I'm a U10 player and I go on to be a U12, U14, U16, what am I trying to, I don't know if there's boxes that I'm trying to check or, uh, you know, if there's sort of milestones I'm trying to meet, um, yeah. you know, as a, as a keeper. Yeah. Um, I think that's one of the, the biggest debates within the goalkeeping circles right now is when to specialize uh, and what what constitutes success. Um, f- for me, I'll just use the last two years as our pathway uh, because I think as a, as a, as coaches we have to have our own philosophy, but then depending on the environment or the club uh, or the team that we're in, we have to, 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 to tweak that based on what the principles or methodology or, or curriculum or whatever, whatever buzzword you want to use to describe how your club does things, um, is important. So, uh, for, I'll just use Orlando City because that's where I have my my best, you know. Um, we for the last two years it was a system where we tried to play, build from the back, uh, play through the thirds, um, but also allow a direct style when necessary. And by direct, I mean connect passes, not just smash and grab. Um, so for us, it was crucial that every goalkeeper be able to play with, be comfortable with the ball at their feet. Um, and understand how to be a support option, not just an outlet. Um, how can you can leave the frame of the goal? You can get outside of the six. You can even play in possession. So, for me at ten, we did not. We did everything in our power not to allow a kid to specialize as a goalkeeper. Um, now that's difficult when you have a large club and you have different coaches and. But um, at 10, I think success is the biggest way to success is are they afraid of the ball hitting them? If they're afraid of the ball hitting them, then you probably don't see them long term as a goalkeeper because success is getting in the way of the ball. Because even with a size four, most nine year olds, uh, 10 year olds are not going to catch the ball. They're going to smack it down um, or they're going to swing their leg and kick. And then you have the advanced kids who pick up diving technique by just watching it on TV. Um, but are they, are their teammates passing them the ball when under pressure? That's, um, and obviously with, with the build out lines now we get, it gets trickier, but for me, are they getting in the way of the ball and are they willing to go attack the ball? If it comes in the box, that's success. Uh, U12, now we're starting to see, are they understanding simple concepts like the ball line? So as the ball travels from one side of the field to the other, does that imaginary line running from the middle of the goal and the ball, does it run through their chest? Um, Do they understand that they can come down that ball line to cut the angle down and still catch the ball? Um, And then do they have the ability to throw the ball to a teammate? Um, th- those for me were kind of the benchmarks uh, on top of the previous. Are, do they have some bravery? Are they willing to attack the ball and let it hit them? So uh, then we get into that, you know, that 11 v 11 second year. Because that first year of 11 v 11, I think the goals are too big. Uh, so there's going to be a lot of failure. So how do we manage that failure and keep them interested in the position? So 14 for me is when you start to really get a – a full-time goalkeeper. Um, that's my position or that's her position. And that's, that's when we really start to look at how is the technique coming along? So 14, 15, we really want to see a foundation of technique, but it's going to be individualized between each one. But are they, now are we seeing them joining the attack are we are they taking crosses or at least attempting to take a cross um because do they have them that still that mindset to go get the ball that's success to me i mean you can always tweak technique you you watch it at the highest level um i see it you know even for instance at the orlando pride with Haley, kottmeyer and ashlyn harris two very different technical styles of goalkeeping and each of them have to continue to rely uh refine uh technical aspects of their game in their eight and 12 year pros. So, 
Um, so it's now, are they starting to or communicate at 14? Are they communicating? And communication, I think is a, it's vague and I'm guilty of saying communication, but is what they're saying helping because anyone can say good job. Anyone can yell keeper. Anyone can yell. Is the keeper early enough to help their teammates recover? Is it force left? Um, using Jason, pick up number 14. So Jason 14, like two, two words right there. Now you know what to do. So, And then 16 is when you kind of just, you'll know if they're going to play in college or if they're going to have the opportunity to maybe go play in the academy. Um, for me, the biggest sign of success is if we can push one of our male players into the academy and they stick. So uh, at that. And then female players is a little different because there's no longer a girls DA at Orlando City. So are they getting opportunities to go to the different ECNL platforms, uh, the, 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 the conference uh, ID2 centers, the youth national uh, identification centers, things like that shows that maybe we're getting where we want. And sometimes that's not how we measure success, but um, are they coming back and are they helping the team get results? So it, it's tough at the youth level. I really, but I enjoy it because of how tough it is just right now. There's no, mm -hmm. there's no check marks because each goalkeeper is different. Uh, mm -hmm. And we try to create a plan along those lines for each of them. Um, and they have to be involved in it because I, I may see that they're, they've got all this potential, but if they're more worried about going to the beach and going surfing on Saturday morning, than coming to the field for an extra session or being early to the game, uh, it doesn't matter how invested I am if they're not invested in their uh, development. So. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like uh, sort of the, I guess I would call it the philosophy there, uh, Lou, in terms of, you know, uh, what coaches should be looking for. And I would actually subscribe to that um, just from my own philosophy, I think very similar to, to yours. And, you know, currently working with a, a U10 group that um, actually makes me chuckle when parents have, uh, <laughs> I, I will say, attempted to give me the directive that uh, their son her daughter is not a goalkeeper and they made this abundantly clear and they jump up and down and they rant and rave and and as if their uh, son or daughter uh, literally has a scarlet letter on them when they are playing goal and um so i, I appreciate that and uh you know i i, I was a, a keeper but nowhere near the level that uh, you are as a player and that um you know, I, I mean, there's so much to it to, to be a keeper. And it's, I would argue it's probably one of the more, if not the most complex position on the field. And people would say, why do you say that? You know, you're literally trying to, you know, block a box. I, I get that and block a net. Um, however, I think it's more between the ears than it is even your physical ability. And I guess I'm curious for you, the, the psychology and sort of the mindset that someone would need. Um, and if they're thinking that, you know, they get to that 14, 15 age and they go, yeah, I think this is really where, you know, where I'm at in the game and where I'm going to, you know, provide value to my team. Uh, the psychology needed to be successful uh, being a keeper. Uh, one word, resiliency. Uh, I think that's the one word that encompasses being a goalkeeper. Uh, especially in, in this day and age. Um, you have to be resilient because of the, the demands that are being asked of, of you with your feet. Uh, when I, even when I was growing up, um, it was give the ball, if you get the ball back, first time, smash it as far as you can. And then there was a progression where you had to try to play and connect passes. Um, but now it's even more so. I mean, now if, if – I know some places if, if the kid kicks the ball along, they get yelled at. So, But then if they make a mistake and concede a goal trying to take a touch and it goes under their foot or they play a bad pass to their teammate, they get yelled at. So the, the resiliency to, to handle mistakes and, and criticism is crucial. And then you still have to be resilient because 
your goalkeeper. Uh, I don't know any goalkeeper that's never considered a goal. Um, and, you know, and as much as uh, for I send out, you know, articles about the stress of being a goalkeeper to to the entire club, to the parents of goalkeepers, to coaches, uh, constantly, just to remind that goalkeepers are their own biggest critic. So you don't need to tell them they got scored on or that they made, they know the minute it, the second it happens, they already are thinking about what they did. Um, so I think resilience and, and uh, self-awareness is, is crucial as well, because if you're not willing to admit that there's things to work on, you can't be successful in the position. Um, but, and then I'd say, you know, I said one word, but those are two. And then the third would just be, um, bravery you know and they kind of all overlap a little bit but you have to be brave you have to be willing to stick parts of your body where they don't belong your face your leg and and, you know i I joke with the kids all the time but i tell them look there's a reason why your parents have insurance if it hits you in the face they can take you to the hospital and they can fix it and unfortunately mine didn't you know i joke with them like that and the little ones really think it's hilarious the older ones just roll their eyes so um (laughs) but i think those are probably the three things you have to have psychologically but yeah and if i'm being honest i know i said three but four is you have to have a hunger to learn and grow um you know at the end of it I conceded this. How did I do that? What could I do better next time? And sometimes, though, you have to just say, great job, great strike. Mm-hmm. But but um, those are the four. You know, you have to want to learn, you know. So, What, what were you uh, in your playing days? What were you like as a, as a keeper? <sighs> um, I'm trying to think of the appropriate word um, to, to say uh, because – I don't know. I was a jerk. Um, that's probably the best, the most polite way to put it. Um, you can say badass. It's okay. <laughs> I, no, because it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't badass. It was, um, I was a jerk. I, I hated losing. I hated conceding, whether it was training, goalkeeper training, team training in games. I mean, we could be winning five, five nil and I would concede and I would blow up on a center back. Um, uh, and at times it was all, it was my fault. So I, I would, I would have this reaction that wasn't necessarily appropriate. Um, and as I got older, I, I learned a little bit, uh, and matured greatly, especially once I started coaching my last two seasons, uh, was actually after I started coaching in the summer. So I learned a lot there, but, um, uh, so I was a, I was a jerk, but also I, I, I wanted to work hard on everybody else because I was only five nine. Um, so my technique and my footwork and my athleticism had to be perfect, or else I was going to concede. Um, and then uh, probably the other thing is I I was an organizer, I was a communicator. Um, uh, I never had a voice after a game uh, because I, I I had to make the game as easy as possible for me. Because, again, the more opportunities I allowed, the more I would be exposed as being shorter. Um, So, but Do you see that uh, in the the players you coach now, do you see part of yourself uh, coming out in them in some way? I I do. Um, I do. Uh, I kind of take pride in the fact that the goalkeepers I work with are good communicator organizers, not just, um, they, they go beyond just the keeper in a way and step. They, uh, just because of our sessions, we make a require communication and the word yup is never allowed. Uh, yup is, I don't know what that means. Uh, it kind of drives me nuts when I walk by sessions and hear yup, yup. Um, but they, they have to use visual and verbal cues and I see that in me and then, um, I see very competitive kids uh, and even ones that who maybe aren't naturally competitive become competitive because of the standard they're held to. Um, so I do see that in the, in the players that I coach, but I also see a joy. I don't know if that makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. you know, well, I, I, I think two things can be true at the same time in that uh, 
you know, the, the competitor and, um, you know, you, you would use the word jerk or use the word badass, but I think that, um, yeah, that joy of playing, it's organizing, it's communicating, it's, um, position, it's strategy, it's, uh, you know, obviously making a save when, when called upon. Um, but I mean, there's so much, I, I guess it's the, the coach on the field. Um, you know, we, we have the, the coach on a touchline, but to, you know, to, to really be that voice on the field that the players might need, especially at the older ages, yeah. um, you know, the, the goalkeeper, at least in my mind, I think that person is that. No, I, I, I would agree with that. That's probably the most concise way to put it. Uh, our old, the oldest kids I work with, if I've had, if I've had the opportunity and the good fortune to work with them, uh, for over a year, I see that kind of take place and there's a moment where it just kind of clicks for them. And that's an amazing thing to see. So for sure, for sure. Um, so, uh, I don't know if there's a, a moment or a few different moments in your career that, uh, and it could be playing or coaching that sort of stand out. Um, you know, I, I sometimes think of like a, a penalty save or, um, I don't know, somebody making a full stretch save or, or something like that. Um, I don't know if there's a, a moment that stands out to you, uh, you know, that, uh, might come to mind. Uh, just in terms of playing or, uh, um, it could be playing or, or coaching, uh, that you remember from a match or even from your playing days of, you know, uh, yeah. go ahead. Uh, yeah. I, I think a moment that kind of, sticks out is that kind of influences me the most is uh, we were playing uh, it was 2009 we were playing in the conference quarterfinals against Pfeiffer um, and it was at home and it was I think it was a either a 1-1 or a nil-nil game I, I think it was the best game I think I'd ever played uh, up to that point um, and we went to I mean, I made a couple point-blank saves in overtime. We went to a penalty shootout. I made made two penalty saves, uh, but the other goalkeeper made three. Uh, and that was a moment for me that you know, when I it clicked that you could play the best game of your career and still lose. Uh, and technically, it didn't lose. It was a draw, but it didn't advance on penalties. Um, and... But yet you can still walk off the field and, and not be like you're gutted, but you're not you're, you don't feel like you let anyone down with that. Um, and I think that's influenced me as, as a coach, um, especially as a youth coach, because your goalkeeper can have the most amazing day of their career so far and the team can still lose. But yet they've shown amazing growth. And I think the best day of my playing has influenced my daily work as a coach. So I, I think that's probably the, a moment that that's stuck with me in the game for a long time. You know, I think mm -hmm. a lot of it, it's easy to go, oh, when I won this or won that. But, you know, state championship ring is great, but I, 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 my mother will hate this, but I have no idea where the thing is. <laughs> I've got no clue where my high school state championship ring is. Not a clue. We, we, we won't tell her. Yeah, our, we won't tell her. Secret. I, we won't tell. But <laughs> I, and I think that's when you, that's for me the, the moment that clicked about this game and how poetic and unfair it can be while still being rewarding at the same time. So. Yeah. Who did you admire uh, growing up? Um, and I asked that question because uh, coaches, friends of mine, um, actually even one of my players recently, he said to me, uh, coach Jason, he goes, why do you like Everton? <laughs> and, um, I actually told him, I said, um, it was because of the American influence that was, uh, part of Everton for a long period of time with American players. And in particular, uh, Tim Howard, um, was, you know, he, sort of the, the Mount Rushmore of, of keepers that I admire. Um, obviously, you know, he's late in his career now and uh, his best days are behind him. But um, who did you admire grow, uh, growing up as a keeper or was there anybody that you admired? Yeah. Um, 
you know, it, it, there's a long list of, of keepers that I admire. Um, you know, for the longest time, Iker Casillas was, was kind of my goalkeeping idol um, just because he was young. He, was, he wasn't your prototypical giant at the time. Um, you know, he was being successful at the same time as someone late in their career, Oliver Kahn, who I loved watching as well. Uh, and, but if you, if you had to say how I played, it would probably be, uh, Iker Casillas and, and Peter Schmeichel would probably be the two biggest influences on me as a goalkeeper. Um, I, I tried to play with the reckless abandon of Peter Schmeichel and, um, but the, I tried to, I modeled my image after Eker, so always wore short sleeves, uh, always had the matching kit, even if that means I had to work at a soccer shop so I could afford said matching kit. Um, so, yeah, Eker was probably the, the cool, the, the calm that was Eker, but the reckless abandon that was Peter Schmeichel. Now, mm-hmm. wasn't as big as either of them, uh, and I couldn't throw the ball 75 yards like, like Schmeichel, but those would be the ones that I, I looked up to. Um, but I don't like Real Madrid and I don't like Manchester United, so uh, <laughs> I, I have to stick with my buddy Alberto. So uh, Arsenal, uh, and uh, I would say David Seaman had an influence as well, but uh, it's wonder safe. So but there you go. So uh, in today's modern game, uh, whose game, male or female, um, would you say? Yeah, I, I like to watch them play. Um, just from a, yeah. a, a fan or just an admirer of, of what they're doing. Yeah, I mean, you know, it, it's amazing to watch what Ederson can do with the ball, what Allison can do in his ability to cover the goal. Um, but I'll be honest with you, I love following young American goalkeepers in the USL. Um, uh, I have a, a guy who used to work for me, Jake Fennelson, he plays for St. Louis FC. I love watching his career grow. I think he's highly underrated. Um, I love watching the kids from Real Salt Lake because a buddy of mine's the goalkeeper coach with the academy out there. So David Ochoa is getting in with the under-20s and playing for RSO Monarch for the Real Monarchs. I love watching those kind of – those are where I, I really find joy because um, – that's the next generation to hopefully fill the void we have right now because we have a little bit of a void in, in America in goalkeeping for the national team. So, uh, you know, Jake, I love watching JT Marcinkowski. He's another soccer plus kid. So um, the young American kids are the ones that I really enjoy following uh, and seeing how they develop because there's opportunities that weren't around when you and I were younger. So mm-hmm. that's kind of where my, my inspiration comes from just because I think partly too, because of what I'm the path I've chosen in the game. So, so uh, I've heard from coaches from time to time that, uh, you know, Hey, my, my training is to be a field coach um, to develop the team as a whole. Um, you know, I have an appreciation for the goalkeeping position, but I really don't know a whole lot about it. And I guess um, for the, the folks listening to this, uh, a number of them whom you know are, are coaches, I, I want to get really practical here for just a few minutes. What advice would you give them? Um, and I, I have a few ideas of my own, but um, if they say, well, I don't, you know, I coach at a, a local youth club or, you know, I have my own travel team or I'm part of maybe a, a club soccer team or, or something like that. Uh, but I may or may not have a goalkeeping coach that my keepers could even work with. What would you tell them as to how they could involve a keeper, you know, in training or get the most out of uh, a keeper or two, you know, to help them develop, even though the coach, um, you know, may or may not have a, uh, a deep knowledge of the position. Yeah. So I just, I'm just going to kind of rephrase it. So I know that I'm on the right path here. Um, we're just saying maybe they're they're a high school coach or a youth club coach or just a grassroots level coach who the club doesn't necessarily have a goalkeeper coach or they don't have mm-hmm. an assistant. How can I include the goalkeeper without just sending them off to the 
the the goalkeeper's area and forget about them until right. they're ready to yeah. smash balls past them. <laughs> right. Get frustrated because they're not making saves. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I, I was going to say, I, I feel like I know this story or I know yeah, that movie. Um, I think it's a lot. It, it seems daunting. Um, I know that when I coached teams, I haven't done necessarily team specific, haven't had my team for a couple of years, but I'm guilty of the same thing. And I'm a, I'm a goalkeeper guy, if you, if you, for a lack of better terms, uh, and it's very easy to forget. So I, I think the first thing you should do is, is how, what do you want out of your goalkeepers in terms of how you're going to play? So if you want your goalkeepers to be involved in possession and build up and you want them to be great communicators, then you have to design practice plans that involve them doing that. And you don't have to be this A-licensed coach to do that. Um, if you want your goalkeepers to communicate and you're playing a four-goal game, then you put your goalkeepers beyond the, the goal uh, and they communicate with their team that's in front of them. And then if you, or you can even flip it where the goalkeeper is in front of the team that they're working with and now you've got to find that goalkeeper before you can play into those mini goals. Or you need to go back to the goalkeeper before you build out and attack those mini goals. Um, so that, that's a simple way to get them to provide supporting angles and work on communication. So, um, And then the other thing is, if you don't want to do it that way, you can get them involved in possession, but you make sure they put themselves in a position they're going to be in in the game. So they shouldn't be trying to go run and score goals. They should be the deepest player uh, in, a possession, in a directional possession activity. And now they can communicate, they can see a similar picture uh, to them uh, that's in front of them. Or, you know, the big thing now is, is, is what? Rondos. So everyone loves a rondo. So if you have a target player in your rondo, because you're doing a directional rondo, you put your goalkeepers at either end and boom, now they're in a natural position. So, and now they're working on their first touch, their body shape, their communication. Um, and then if, if you're going to do some sort of finishing activity, think about what's realistic. Um, striking from the top of the 18, not having any defenders, or always doing tap-ins from six yards away and getting frustrated with your goalkeeper isn't productive. So if you want to do those things, give them a defender. So now they have to communicate with a defender. Even if you have three players running in, now there's one defender to help the goalkeeper. And now they can... Uh, make it a little bit more realistic um, you know those are those are the free ways to do it I mean there's always the, the the obvious way of the obvious and a lot of times financial way is to go attend the United Soccer Coaches goalkeeping diploma which I highly advocate um, not just because I am learning how to teach those courses but because I've done all four of them and the format's going to change and it's going to be great Mm -hmm. um, but you can go online and do that. <laughs> um, you know, I think you can also just pick up the phone uh, or send an email and reach out to a goalkeeper coach uh, or a goalkeeping director. And I mean, I, I, anyone can call me. I'll get back to them as soon as I can with feedback uh, or ideas. Um, mm -hmm. I think, well, yeah, so I think I, that's I, probably my best suggestion. Yeah, I, I was going to say even from my own experience that um, so you know in many situations there are you know more than one coach, but even if there's just one coach at a training session, the position of the coach, now granted he or she can't see everything, but if you want to spend at least a few moments with your keepers, stand on the goal line, stand right by the goalpost, right? Watch what your keeper's doing. Um, you know, listen to them, uh, pay attention. I mean, I, I, I have always found that they give you a lot of information that you can instruct based on the information that they're giving you. So, you know, can we be a little bit more vocal in that instance? Uh, I love the, uh, you know, emphasis that you have on game-like repetitions, right? Um, because yeah, it, it can get incredibly easy to get frustrated with a keeper saying like, and he or she's just not on her, on her game today. Um, and, you know, the, the players are just putting the balls in the back of the net or whatever. But 
Is that a game like repetition that they will see in a match? I would argue that more often than not, probably not. Um, you know, in, there are times where, like you said, involving a defender or two or something like that, because it's much more than just stopping the ball, right? It's how does the keeper communicate with the defenders? Are they in the proper position? Um, you know, the, the, the keeper is going to be the one that gets the, the finger pointed at them. But what led up to that happening? And how can we sort of work backwards and, and kind of solve the problem that way? And um, I, and I love what you said, Lou, about the um, United Soccer Coaches uh, goalkeeping courses. I'm actually scheduled to do my level two here in uh, in two weeks. And um, I, I can't wait for it. I, I love level one. Um, and want to keep going with it, you know, want to go to the, I guess, advanced national, I think is the highest, um, you know, that they have or whatever. And, um, yeah, I, I just, it goes back to what we started our conversation with of just being underappreciated as a uh, position, but arguably one of the most valuable on the pitch, you know? For sure. For sure. I mean, I think it's, it, it's important too. Uh, I think there's this stigma um about the position uh because people well i didn't play so i don't know i mean I, some of the best goalkeeper coaches i've i've met uh didn't play at the highest level or some of them didn't even play the position uh but they took it upon themselves to learn uh and speak with goalkeeper coaches but also goalkeepers um and i think if coaches just take a few moments and ask their goalkeepers, hey, what do you need to work on today? Obviously, that works a little bit better with older ones. Um, but that's just developing a relationship and showing them, hey, I, I, I know it's just me, but I, I care about you too. I know what you, I know you need some, some attention as well. Um, and then, yeah, the United Star coaches, the, the level one's online. Mm -hmm. I mean, just, just basic. It's very basic. It's mostly technical information, but just – a little bit of information goes a long way. Um, and there are books. Uh, Tim Mulpin has a great book out. Um, I, I'm forgetting the name, but I mean, there's so many good resources out there. Uh, you know, my only concern is that people just don't go look at YouTube. Um, I love YouTube, but at the same time, um, it can be detrimental because you have no idea why they're working on that or what they're working on because you're just seeing a tidbit. So. Um, but yeah, I think the other big thing is just kind of how you and I got connected. Ask a friend. Um, ask someone who, I mean, social media. Just send a, a DM or a tweet, and uh, or look someone up and find their email. I mean, with this inter with the internet, everything's so accessible. Just reach out. Uh, I've got no secrets. Uh, I've learned from so many different people, and I, you know, you can call it stealing, but my philosophies are gained from other people who have influenced me. So uh, I'm more than happy to share the knowledge that I have. And I have no, I have no, I'm not afraid to ask a question. I, I don't know everything, uh, you know, so, but I want to learn as much as I can. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, and I, and I love that. It, uh, there's a, a commitment, um, you know, on your end and, and certainly on my end of, um, you know, life, lifelong learning that, uh, I mean, I just, you can never learn enough about this game and just that constant pursuit of wanting to know more and, um, just exposing yourself to different ideas and philosophies and people and cultures. And I think that's what makes it the beautiful game. Um, you know, not only what happens actually on the pitch, but everything away from it. And, um, yeah, it's, I mean, that, <laughs> if it wasn't for that, you and I probably wouldn't have gotten connected, you know? No, and, uh, no, you know, absolutely. So. absolutely. So. Yeah, so um, two, two things. Um, tell me what your, uh, in, in your new role uh, that you're going to be starting here soon, um, you know, what success look like uh, for you or for the club or for uh, players or coaches that you might be working with? Yeah, so, uh, I mean, I think, that's a, it's a great question because um, I don't have the answer yet. Because um, part of that's going to come down to, obviously, there's some things, you know. Um, it's an ECNL club, so obviously trying to qualify for ECNL playoffs will be success in terms of a team. 
uh, function. Um, and, you know, there's an established goalkeeping culture right now. Um, and, you know, Stuart Brown, the executive director, has brought me in to work with uh, Eric Vauder to, to now raise that culture even higher. So I think success, first of all, will be how can we enhance an already good culture that's there um, and bring in some of my ideas without destroying what's there. Because I think that's a crucial because the groundwork's been laid, but how do we now raise it to the next level? So success for, in, is partly that. And then success will be um, how can we, right now the, the highest level is to get the kids to college. Uh, uh, or on the boys' side, can we get someone to a residential spot in an academy as a goalkeeper from the Nashville area? Um, so that would be on the boys' side. On the girls' side, it's can we get them to the college level? Uh, um, and then the other op the other success level is going to be can we have goalkeepers playing up? So can we have 2004s playing at the 2002 level, for instance, or 2003 level? So th that for me shows that they're technically and tactically ready to be challenged by bigger, faster, stronger athletes and more tactically advanced athletes. So that's a level of success. Um, and then lastly is the, for me that I mentioned earlier, the culture, but do we have goalkeepers that are willing to come help one another on the road at showcase events? Um, yes, part of that is travel by the goalkeeper director, but at the same time, we, most events try to not have overlap, but, you know, are they only relying on the goalkeeper coach to get them ready or are they learning and now able to help one another on the road? Um, Cause it's not just about your team, but it's that club mentality. Um, so uh, I think right now those are levels of success. So. Yeah. I, no, I think that's great. I think the, uh, you know, would argue paternity or sorority that is the goalkeeping world is the, a, uh, the union, the GK union. So yeah, all yeah. it's just GKs. So yeah, for sure. I, cause I, I feel like we all speak the same language to a certain degree, you know, for sure. For sure. So I, I've asked other guests this and uh, you can take this whatever direction you'd like. Um, so what are we doing right? And what are we doing wrong when it comes to soccer in this country? Oof. It's a, uh, that's typically the response I get, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, I mean, you know. There's... It's a loaded question. I won't lie. It's, it's, a, it's a very loaded, loaded question. And it's a good question, though. Um, I think some of the things we're doing right are also some of the things we're doing wrong, if that's, you know. Um, but we also have to take into account, I think, the size of our country. So, um, you know. We, a lot of times, I think what we're doing wrong is we're trying to relate ourselves to the rest of the world. Um, the only, in my grasp of geography, the only other place in the world that's as large as or bigger than us is Russia. Well, so we can't really compare ourselves to England, you know, but yet that's a lot of the comparison, or Germany. Um, but. England is the size of California or a few states combined. If I'm, I know I've got that maybe a little wrong, but so you've got all these different academies within a couple blocks of each other and it's their national sport. So we're trying to compare ourselves to a country where their, their biggest sport is like our fifth or sixth biggest sport, right? So we have to start creating our own identity, I think. Um, you know, so these are good guides, but we can't, we can't relate ourselves to those countries. We have to create American soccer culture, uh, in terms of development. So, uh, U.S. soccer is now doing like a three regional, uh, U14 boys national team setup. Uh, I think we just need to take that all the way up and do three, you know, an East, um, a central and mountain and a west coast uh, 
and do these kind of like the old ODP system, but make it, we've got the resources to do it. So we make three different, and then for these tournaments, then these three team, these groups come together and then the teams are picked from there. Cause then we have more players in that pool. Um, I think the academy system is a, is great, but at the same time, it isolates a lot of players because unless you're close enough to a MLS Academy, you have to pay to play. Um, but at the same time, like I mentioned before, the funding is different here. We have to pay to play um, because of the travel and, and coaches, and there's we don't have a ton of millionaires footing um, Orlando City Youth Soccer, which is separate from Orlando City Soccer Club, right? So um, that those are things that we're doing well and we could do better. Um, but I think what we're doing a good job of on the mo- is keeping interest there for the game. Um, but uh, trying to be tactile with my answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I, I, that's that's good, man. I I, I appreciate the. Uh, we're we're going to name you uh, Secretary of State. You know, very diplomatic answer there. So, <laughs> yeah, it's it's just tough because I I I think about where the game was when I was the age of the kids I'm coaching now, and it's leaps and bounds ahead. But you know, politics and there's always there's always going to be some sort of politics with player selection and you know not everyone you know I'm a big fan not everyone gets a trophy not everyone gets a spot because you got to compete in, in life and 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 in sport so you know but I think the biggest thing is we need people to be more honest with one another about things I think we cause a lot of problems for our game by not being honest with parents um, and I, I would much rather be straightforward and honest with my with the parents that of the players than tell them what they want to hear and then tell this person what they want to hear and create this web that I have to remember. Uh, and I see it all the time. And and then we burn the kids out because of it. So I, if if I'm being honest, I think we're burning kids out too much because of what coaches want or directors want or what parents want. But at the end of the day, it's about the players. It's about the kids. So sometimes I think we need to get out of the way and sit down and let them play. Um, well, well said, man. It's still a game. The ball's round. Uh, most places, the grass is green. Um, and yeah, the, you know, the only constant though is that the ball is round. So let's let the ball do the talking. Sometimes let the players do it and. Let's just get out of their way. I think we're overcomplicating it. So, if uh, if folks want to connect with you and uh, reach out if they uh, you know have questions or follow along on your your journeys, uh, you move into yeah. a new new role. Um, how can they do that? Yeah. Um, so uh, I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram. Um, at LewisLib21 is my Twitter. Uh, and then I believe at Lou Libertor is my Instagram and my email address though, if they want to get in touch is, uh, give the new one, uh, Lewis, L O U I S dot L at Tennessee soccer club dot org. So, um, and like I told the kids that I've worked with earlier, so yeah, I will get back to everyone as, as soon as I can. Um, so, but I'm always open and, and always happy to talk about the game and especially yeah. so open, open book. So, well, I mentioned that I'm, I'm happy that our mutual friend, Alberto uh, Gonzalez was able to connect us and, um, Lou, I can't thank you enough for, for coming on the latest episode of the on a touchline podcast and, uh, just wish you a, a whole lot of success in your new journey, man. And, um, I've been to Nashville. It's a, it's a good place. It's a good city. And I uh, really look forward just to the, the success that uh, you're, you're going to have and, uh, you know, all the good things in store for the future. Well, Jason, thank you again for having, for having me on. Uh, this is uh, my first podcast, so I appreciate the opportunity to 
chat and thank you again to Alberto. I mean, this is great. Um, You guys know how much I love Duke Tig brand, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. I am headed to a coaching education course this weekend. And guess what product that is definitely going to be in my bag? The Duke Tig brand XL notebook. Go to duketigbrand.com, D-U-K-T-I-G brand.com. And I can save you 10% on your next order. Use the promo code Broadwater19 at checkout. B R O A D W A T E R 19 at checkout. DukeTigBrand.com. High quality notebooks and products for coaches like you. Go check it out. DukeTigBrand.com. D U K T I G Brand.com. Save 10% today. Shout out to former guest Alberto Gonzalez for connecting me to Coach Lou and getting to know a little bit about his backstory. Lou, you're welcome on the podcast anytime and good luck at Tennessee Soccer Club as you get things up and running as the director of goalkeepers for this upcoming season. I've mentioned throughout the month of May that this month was going to be a massive month for us as a podcast. We are actually on the brink, and probably by the time this airs, of going over 12,000 listens for the show. That isn't possible without folks like you. So when you hear or you see the show on social media or you engage with the show, however you do it, just know that I am greatly appreciative for you taking the time to listen to this podcast. And please tell those in the soccer community about what we're trying to do. It really means the world. And we want to keep growing that number and we want to get to 20,000, hopefully really soon. So in the coming weeks, you're going to get a ton of new content going forward throughout the summer. And I think you're going to enjoy what I have lined up from coaches to players to influencers in our game and drilling down even on special topics related to certain areas of the game. And I've done a little bit of a deep dive with a few different guests about youth soccer tryouts in the sweet hell they can be sometimes. So those will be coming your way very, very soon. All right, guys, I'll be back in your feed soon. Thank you so much for listening. This has been the latest episode of the On the Touchline podcast. I'll catch you guys real soon. I'm your host, Jason Broadwater.